Good evening. That is not the invitation song. Do not think that the lesson is over right there. So, as always, we appreciate Don, as all of our song leaders do. Carl actually was the original one who asked me what the sermons were about today. He's not been feeling well, uh, and so I had to ask for some pinch hitters there, but we're thankful to all our song leaders who take the time to ask what the sermons are about and pick out songs that help us as we think about our worship together. We're glad you're here tonight. We've got several who are, were a bit of a surprise. Carl and Mitch were not feeling well this morning, but were back with us. We're thankful Bill and Sylvia were able to make it back. You can see Sun hanging out over there, uh, not always able to even be here on Sunday morning, much less twice on Sunday. Miss Joyce and her mom are able to be with us. We're just thankful that you are here this evening. Again, appreciate Don and those songs. And I will be the first one, probably not the first one ever, Miss Barbara, to say that Tom Levi is wrong. But Tom, Tom is wrong. The children are an encouragement to you, but you are an encouragement to us. And all of our older folks here are. Uh, I enjoy kind of being in that middle middle group, so we get take some encouragement from the young people, but we we take the encouragement from the older folks as well, and we appreciate Tom's prayers as always, and all of our men who take the chance to lead us from time to time in various or different aspects of our worship. We take encouragement from this congregation here. He did make a good point, though. I will give him credit in his uh, prayer there that has to do with the lesson tonight. Uh, if you saw the title, you may have been thoroughly confused, as Don was when he was looking for songs uh, to sing. What do I do with these numbers that are on this page, or what does that even mean? But I'm, I'm going to ask for you to consider tonight with me for just a moment uh, the idea of if I were to give you a list of things, and we're going to do it for just a second, if I were to give you a list of ideas or activities or things, could you tell me if it was something that was from 700 B.C. or as we usually refer to the dates as A.D. 2019, of course, this year. Now, someone would be very obvious if I said to you, you know, the group of people and we're going to talk to tonight a little bit about the world. I will probably use that phrase uh, just kind of off the cuff some, but the world, society, people today, not just Christians, but human beings. Uh, and so if I said to you which group of people would fit into the ones who, who have to contend with, with smart devices and, and device time and that kind of thing, it would be pretty obvious to you what we were talking about. If I said to you that maybe during one of these two time periods, the travel was much harder. And I'm not talking about driving through Atlanta either, and most of us have had to do that. But if I said to you the travel took longer, you know, I was just curious, and I looked it up because a lot of us like to go to the beach, and many have, you know, over the summer or fall break here. But, but according to Google Maps, and it will tell you, it would take you six days to walk to Panama City Beach from, from Chattanooga, Tennessee, or from Saudi Daisy. So uh, you think about the, the ability to get somewhere. If I said to you it was much harder and it took much longer, you would know, obviously, that would probably be 700 B.C. because travel was either by walking or, of course, you could ride, but not in the same way as you could in a car and certainly not fly. So there's some differences but I think you understand where we're going tonight. I could tell you some things and you wouldn't know, probably. If I said there was war, war was a problem. Now, certainly we don't live in a, a society today, in a world where war is the same as it was in the Revolutionary War or the Civil War or anything like that, or even 700 B.C. But war was a problem then and war somewhat is a problem today. What if I told you which period of time am I talking about there was an alcohol problem 
Well, believe it or not, and I know you know because many of you have studied the Bible, as I was flipping through the book we're going to talk about tonight, I continue to read things about drinking and being drunk and drinking in excess. And of course, we understand the, the multi-billion industry and, and commercials and things that go along with alcohol consumption and sales in our world today. So you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell from either one of those. What if I told you that there was a group of people who didn't listen to the preacher? Yes, that would be either one as well sometimes, and not just in this church building tonight. But obviously, people today sometimes don't want to hear the preacher. And when we think about this time period we're going to talk about tonight, yes, there were people, there were men who were preaching, speaking for God, who would not be listened to. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 1. That's the first blanks that are on your outline there. I hope that you'll be able to make out most of these. We the guys uh, told me this morning what I had done different or wrong on my slides and how to fix that. I told them I always struggle with the color sometimes because it looks really good on my computer screen at home. And I hope that you're able to see it. And sometimes it may be a little harder and I apologize for that. Tonight we're going to talk about Isaiah chapter 1 and really different parts of the book of Isaiah or the beginning of it here. This is uh, something that we studied at Bible camp this summer. We took a look at the book of Isaiah as much as we could with young people. As much as we could with young people over the course of just about five days of being able to study the Bible. And trust me, I think we've told you, but we, we study the Bible. We spend all morning and, of course, evening worship and all studying the Bible at McCroy Bible Camp, as many other camps do. But we looked at the book of Isaiah as best as we could. Isaiah was a prophet of God, a prophet not just maybe foretelling the future as in being able to see it, but foretelling the word of God. He was speaking in the place of God. God was beginning in some form or fashion maybe to change a little bit the way he interacted with people. We think about Noah and Moses and Abraham and those guys and that he was there almost in the flesh. Not exactly, but, but there in the moment in, in the burning bush, there on the mountain and speaking. And even in the New Testament maybe has he interacted through the Holy Spirit in different ways. But, but now he's beginning to use preachers. He's beginning to use spokesmen who would, excuse me, go forth giving his word speaking in his place. So as the title says tonight, in Isaiah chapter 1 and, and through the book of Isaiah, Isaiah lived on earth about 700 years before Christ. That's what we oftentimes use as BC, before Christ, uh, as a designation of time. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Isaiah and who he was writing to and the time period he was writing in, but I hope you'll see and understand, as we've already touched on, maybe we're talking about the year 20. 19. First of all, tonight, we want to see that there was rebellion against God. And that's going to begin as we see here in verse number two. So if you're following along in your outline or you're going to be turning through the book of Isaiah, I will reference several passages there from Isaiah chapter one for us to consider tonight. Number one, rebellion against God. Isaiah chapter one and verse number two. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children and they have rebelled against me. Again, 700 B.C. or 2019. Rebellion against God. They forsook God. If you look in verse number 4, it says towards the middle of it, Children who are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They forsook God. That's the worst decision a person can make. Yes, marriage is important. Yes, even careers can be important. But the idea to forsake and rebel against God is going to give them a lot more trouble than maybe they even imagine on the surface. 
In verses 5 and 6, we see that they were sick. It says in verse 5 there, the whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. Now that is, of course, spiritually sick. The people were spiritually sick. Notice a pretty big condemnation in verse number 10. That's condemnation, condemning. In verse number 9 and 10, it says and compares them to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I say that's pretty bad because you know as well as I do that many people in the world may not know a lot about the Bible, but many people know the words Sodom and Gomorrah. They understand what took place around the time of Sodom and Gomorrah and the terrible sins that were taking place there. When you want to talk about slapping somebody in the face and, and tearing them down to compare them or their actions to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, that was one way to certainly do it. If you're there in Isaiah, look in chapter 2 in verse number 8. They worshipped idols. We're going to talk about worship in just a moment, but they worship idols. Now, inter interestingly enough here, this is not just the world, but the children of Israel. It says there in chapter 1, speaking about Judah. Uh, so not only are we talking about the world, but the children of God. The children of God who have seen these things, God's people. How could they do such a thing as worship idols? But certainly they did. Notice there in Isaiah chapter 3 in verse number 12. Their leadership was a disaster. As for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. Oh, my people, those who lead you cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. Oftentimes we're willing to line up behind the leadership and blame somebody else. Let's pass it up the chain of command. Well, the elders said we needed to do it or my boss said I needed to do it. And it's easy to try to point the blame back up. And certainly their leadership was a disaster, but the children of Israel were willing to follow that and go along with it. A couple of more. Chapter 5, verses 13 and 20. Chapter 5, verses 13 and 20. They did not know God's law and could not tell the difference between good and evil. And verse number 20, a passage you may be familiar with of Isaiah 5. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. For those of us who know that passage, there may again, may be no worse con condemnation. There be maybe no worse of a slap in the face than to tell somebody and to talk about our world and say that we pretty much don't know what's right and wrong anymore. We pretty much can't determine what is good and evil because the world has twisted it and turned it around. And there is some of that in our world today, and there was in 700 B.C. as well. One more, Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 24. They rejected and despised God's word. As it says there at the end of verse 24, because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. It's amazing, isn't it, how often God's word gives us what we need? Our marriages, our relationships, and yes, even sometimes our finances, the way to take care of our family, the way to do the right thing in the workplace. All of those things line up because God planned it that way when we read and follow his word. We see in the first place tonight that in 700 B.C., there was rebellion against God. It's probably true of our world today and certainly is in many cases. But what about us as we look around us and we consider how we, we are living? Number two, the word there is remnant. In verse number nine of chapter one, again, many of these are going to come first and foremost from chapter one. 
But chapter 1 and verse number 9. There was a remnant. Isaiah says there, unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. There is a small remnant of people who are trying to do what is right. Jesus says it this way in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. They're in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. I'm afraid sometimes we find ourselves amazed that we are in the remnant. Yet the Bible continually speaks even amongst the children of Israel. One to two million strong depending on the counting. They were in the remnant. They were in the smaller group. Now, they would join themselves to the larger group by becoming like everyone around them. 2019, where do we find ourselves? Oftentimes trying to attach to the larger group, trying to be like everybody else because that is easier. Several of you commenting on the lesson this morning. I appreciate the encouragement and kind comments, but the idea that this seems so simple. And it seems like so many people won't believe it. And my simple answer was, I think I kind of said at the beginning of the lesson, even somewhat inadvertently, but we will many times believe why we do something just because it's the easiest. And for many people to really look at the scriptures and study, it's hard. To really go after what God says and follow it is hard because of the implications of it. It's not always easy to follow after God. And he says, whether it's in Isaiah in 700 B.C., or in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, or in 2019, there are few. The road is narrow. Are we a part of that group? It's hard sometimes. We, we even fear for not necessarily our lives, per se, in the physical sense that we might be killed. But we certainly even fear, fear sometimes for our wealth or our ability to do things because we might be put in prison. I've told you before, I'll never forget, uh, one of the first years we moved to Dunlap, Brother Brad Harrop came and did a seminar, and he talked about the government and the things and the history of our country. At that time, there was a big push in Texas to outlaw preaching against homosexuality. We all stood there and said, what are we going to do? I mean, are we going to continue to do it? Are we going to fear jail? And of course, at the time, it kind of subsided, and it has somewhat. Preachers are still allowed, for the most part, to say what they want to say, what the Word of God says from the pulpit. But as many of you know as well, in the court of public opinion, you will be roasted. You will be raked over the coals if you put something on social media or something like that. We have to stay true to this remnant, this small group of people who will be faithful to God no matter what. Number three, when we try to decide what we're talking about, which period of time, there was rejected worship. Rejected worship. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verses 11 through 15. 11 through 15. We've already touched on some of these in a few ways, but their worship was rejected. I'm going to give you three R words. All of our main points begin with R, but three more under rejected worship to consider. Number one, the reality. The reality. The reality was they worshiped the real God, but he would not accept their worship. Look in verses 13 and 15. Verse 13, he says, Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. Down in verse number 15, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. I will not hear. You ever been in that position, parents? You ever been there? 
where you're just fed up and you're tired of it and you say, I don't care how much you beg and plead and ask. I'm not hearing it anymore. And the world would look at God and say, how can a loving God do that? How can he look at people and say, I'm not going to hear and listen. But yes, sometimes God gets enough of the rejected worship. They are worshiping the real God. They are the children of Israel, but he would not accept it. Number two, under this point here of rejected worship, there was the reality, but number two, there is the reason. Because it's helpful for us. God is not just arbitrary in the sense that he says something and that's it in many ways. Why was their worship, worship rejected? And number two, the reason is because they shed innocent blood in verse number 15. Verse number 15, it says, he says, even though you make many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood. And in verse number 16, even at the end of it, it seems that they would not stop. This is the reason. The reality is, is that he would not accept their worship. But the reason is because their hands are full of blood. We continue in our world today, A.D. 2019, to fight against hands that shed innocent blood. We talk about blood even in the physical sense as we think about the atrocities against unborn babies and things like that. But I would submit to you that even through talking about maybe real blood or blood in that kind of sense, even just in a spiritual sense, even in just a rejected worship type of sense, people's hands are full of blood. So we looked at the reality was that he would not accept their worship. The reason, number two, but number three, the remedy. The remedy here is going to be to turn back to God. Now, this is going to get into the end of our lesson in just a moment, so we'll kind of just touch on it for a second. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse number 12. Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, I challenge you again. Was that 700 BC, AD 2019? Was it in, true there in Deuteronomy? All throughout Scripture, and even today, God expects the same thing that we love Him, that we serve Him, that we serve Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He has not made it very difficult in that sense. What He requires of us, the remedy for their rejected worship was to turn back to God with all their heart, to love God, to live for God. That is the key. That is the answer. Our world doesn't want to hear it in A.D. 2019, but it's just as true as it was in 700 B.C. There is oftentimes rejected worship. And I would even mention very quickly here, I, I, we've not even got into our lessons on Sunday morning of why we believe, but what we are going to touch on, God willing, in the future, some of the uh, perverted forms of worship that there are out there. I mean, just actual worship to God. But I, I would submit to you that even, and not just talking about worship, worship per se, but just in general, about the way that people serve God. This is the way they were living. And we do the same thing today, and certainly the world does and their worship is rejected number four what is needed well repentance we talked about repentance a little bit this morning we've talked about it before but repentance is needed there was still hope for them 
He says here, and we're going to sing the song in just a moment as we conclude the, the lesson. But if you still got your Bible open to verse chapter 1 of Isaiah, looking in verse 16 and then on down into verse number 18 even, we see those words that we're about to sing. Though your sins be as scarlet. Repentance is needed. Though there, there was still hope for them. Their sins, though they were red colored or like scarlet, could become as white as Snow. I think it was maybe a couple of Wednesday nights ago that I touched on that in our uh, extending the Lord's invitation on Wednesday night. But the idea of getting the stain out of something, even as we sing those songs so very often with that kind of context to it, but making it as pure as snow. We don't get that a lot down here oftentimes. It makes it a little harder to understand, even though we have had it and see pictures. We joke sometimes about our kids' age, you know, despite the last snowstorm, they may not have seen pure white driven snow like that. But we understand the concept. There was still hope for these people. In verse number 18, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. They need to change, though, as we've said already, and we're talking about here with repentance being needed. They needed to change. There was still hope, but they needed to become clean by putting away evil. Again, touching forward to the New Testament, Acts chapter 3 and verse number 19. Peter is preaching there on Solomon's portico or Solomon's porch, and he tells them, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out the same kind of imagery so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord they needed to change they needed to become clean by putting away the evil things he says there as well look in verse number 17 of Isaiah 1 some very short simple statements learn to do good seek justice rebuke the oppressor defend the fatherless plead for the widow sound familiar James chapter 1 and verse number 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To do what? To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. To be pure. To be like wool. To be like white snow. The same thing is carried through from 700 B.C. to A.D. 2019. And on the pages of the New Testament that these people needed to start caring about orphans and widows to make sure that the people were treated fairly. If you do a study of this time, if you go back and, and look at the children of Israel, if you'll read the Kings and Chronicles and those kinds of things, you'll see they were not very good. They were not always very good to the poor and to these widows and widowers and to the orphans. God is saying you've got to change. You have to repent and there is still hope if you will begin doing these things that he lists there in verse number 17. Number five, when we think about repentance being needed, part of what is needed as well in connection with that is reasoning together. Reasoning together. Verse number 18 begins, come now and let us reason together. That's the whole purpose of our Sunday morning sermons right now. Come, let us reason together together when you think about social media when you think about the news when you think about watching tv or the newspaper it's the exact opposite it's a bunch of yelling and screaming and who can be the loudest god calls his children to be people of reason to say come let us think 
Let us consider together and think things through. The more I thought about the sermon this morning, when I thought about it this afternoon, I think I probably said it 35 times. Let's look at the scripture. Let's consider together. Give us the opportunity. But that's exactly what God wants. People who are willing to open the Bible and reason together. Make decisions according to what the word of God says. In the New Testament, it says it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Is that the kind of people we are? Are we people who will think things through? Speak, speak with reason? Speak with patience? Speak the truth in love? Make decisions according to what the Word of God says? We must serve God. And we must serve Him. Many times when we do, there are feelings and emotions. And when we serve Him, we have to do our best to take those feelings and emotions in the proper context and use them in the proper way. When we serve Him, there are that, those types of emotions that come up. But our minds must be ready to learn. Even as we have begged and pleaded for the last two Sundays, set those things aside and consider what the Word of God has to say and then do it. You remember that Jesus says in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We have to be willing and ready to reason together. Seems like there is a large lack of that in 2019, but Isaiah is a preacher who people don't want to listen to, and in 700 B.C., that's exactly what he's fighting against. As he goes forth preaching the word of the Lord, speaking on behalf of God, he is begging, come and let us reason together. So a reasoning together is needed. And then number six, there is needed a return to obedience. A return to obedience in verses 19 and 20. If you're still there in Isaiah chapter 1, notice with me very simply. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God would bless his people if they would obey him. 700 B.C., Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the rest of the letters and books of the New Testament, 2019. He's made it pretty simple. God will bless his people if they would obey him. You even go backwards. You remember in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse number 15 says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. But going on down to verse number 20 of Deuteronomy 30, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. There's always this promise and this connection with obedience. It may not have always been a land of promise in that sense, but the promise of blessing the people of God if they would follow after his word. Obeying the Lord is always, always, always the right thing to do and the wise thing to do do you remember that we began teaching this to our children 
The, the final passage we'll notice here together is Matthew chapter 7. Again, we go back to Matthew 7. This time, verses 21. You know verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. But if you turn to Matthew 7 there, go down to verses 24 through 27. Do you remember that we begin to teach this to our children when they are one, two, and three, and so on and so forth? Because Jesus says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. I don't know, most of you don't stand up front as Bill and, and I and Carl and others have got to do during vacation Bible school. But you know, you stand up at the front and you look back through the crowd and there's a whole lot of kids that are doing their hands like this. And there are a whole lot of adults that are too cool to do it, you know, and they're just sitting there. And I know, I've been one before. I mean, you know, I don't want to sing with the kids, I don't. But do you understand that the concept that we're teaching with that silly song and doing our hands together is the same thing that he was saying in 700 B.C. and the same thing he was saying in Matthew 7 and in 2019. Whoever hears these words of mine and will do them, who will be obedient, will build upon the rock, and there is nothing that can take it apart because... Following God and obeying Him is always, always, always the right thing to do. I, I know you understand, and, and maybe the title was a little misleading in a sense, but, but I know that you understand that people have been disobedient all throughout time. As we said in our lesson this morning, false teaching has always been around. But it helps us sometimes to be reminded. We're not the first people to face it. We're not the first people to try to be the remnant. But we need to be faithful to Him. And when we look at passages like Isaiah 1 and through the Old Testament and even on the pages of the New Testament, we can take comfort and courage thinking about how we should follow after him. And if we will do that, he will be faithful to us. Tonight, as we extend the Lord's invitation, we ask you to consider being faithful to him by being what we would say sometimes gospel obedient. Obeying the word of God, obeying the words of Christ on what, it, what must be done for a person to be added to the church. Maybe you're here tonight and you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. We'd be willing to help you with that and even study with you more. Maybe you're here tonight and you're trying to remain faithful. We know how hard it can be to be faithful even up until the point of death or to walk in the light when there is so much darkness around us. When we feel like the remnant, it's hard to do. But you can tonight if you are a Christian Confess your sins, pray to God for forgiveness, and he is willing to do just that. That we can go forth as a remnant to different parts of the county or different cities or wherever and go through our daily lives separate and apart until we come back here together. But with each one of us being faithful and carrying the light, we can do what is right and we can be obedient. Maybe you're here tonight and you're either not a child of God or you're not being faithful. We'll be singing to encourage you that you would make a change even as we stand together and as we sing.